0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land.
1: Welcome to our live Texans-Jags postgame show. Robert with Sports Radio six ten. Sean Bajani. Well, Sean, they've lived on a razor's edge for four weeks. They finally got got. I guess that's the polite way to sum it up. You know, Sean, it's tough to win in the NFL when you play 11 versus 18. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean, man. Uh, This one was weird. I I don't know if you'll ever see another one like this one. Um, Week to week, you know, all games are a little bit different. I I can't tell you if I've ever seen a game end like the one did today where a guy who you have zero confidence in going out there, kicking even a 40-plus yard field goal, a 58-yard field goal to tie it, And it's probably the kick of his life. I so badly wanted to ask Matt Amendola about that after the game. I just didn't know how to phrase it without sounding like a jerk as usual. Um, But he couldn't have kicked it any better. This was the epitome of every inch matters, every foot, every yard. And the Texans fell one short.
1: Yeah, and we'll get into more of that whole decision and what got into it, but get in the comments. What did you think of that decision? What did you think of other decisions in this game? Let us know. Stroud, 26 for 36, 304 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks, four sacks. That was big. Stroud also the Texans leading rusher with 47 yards. Singletary and Pierce, only 11 total carries for 32 yards, Sean. That's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was uh that was pretty crazy. And I thought it was going to be a lot different early on. It looked like the Texans could go pretty heavy single Terry. I mean, he was making plays out of the backfield as a pass catcher, uh, you know, showed some juice earlier in this ball game, you know, with a really strong run. Um, and I thought, we had an answer to the question coming into this game, knowing that Damian Pierce was going to be ready and healthy and uh, good to go again. Thought we, it was pretty understandable that, hey, Singletary is your one and Pierce is your change of pace guy. And I just think the Jags defense made it incredibly difficult to uh, do anything, operate at all behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, I, the four sacks, as you mentioned by Stroud, if you would have told me 10, I probably would have felt right. It just he was running for his life <laughs> all day. And I'd never seen this level of escapability, um elusiveness from CJ Stroud. I mean, earlier I thought, hey, this is Georgia 2.0. Uh, but it went even beyond that. It, it was an absolute game changer for what CJ Stroud did on the ground just ultimately. And unfortunately, it wasn't enough. But it sure as hell kept the Texans in a game in which maybe they had no business being in.
1: Yeah, I want to connect the dots a little bit later on the pass rush and the the running game and all that sort of stuff. But also got to mention, Nico, seven catches, 104 yards in a TD. Tank Dell, five catches, 50 yards in a TD. Get in the comments. Let's hear from you like we do every week. We're going to go unpack it, possession by possession. Sean and Texans first possession. They're forced to punt near midfield when Stroud can't find anybody on third and long. Jags first possession, they drive down the field for a field goal. Texans secondary, not looking great. More on that in a second, but next offensive possession is Shaq Mason holding penalty. Puts them in a hole. Stroud overthrows Tank, who'd got an open downfield on third and long and a great scramble and throw. Texans D much tighter in their next chance. Quick three and out. Sean, the big play when the Texans get the ball back, Stroud hits Tank on a 50-plus yard throw. But there was a flag for illegal shift by Tank. He was in motion. Nobody else looked in motion. Did you understand that play?
0: Uh, I didn't, and I want to talk about it a little bit because I was asking uh, everybody sitting next to me in the press box, like, hey, you know, what does this mean? And I'll, I'll take you through it. Uh, you know, obviously, if you go back and you look, and I'm sure we all saw the play a couple of three times, you know, Tank moving laterally turns up the field. I My question was, can't you move laterally before the ball is snapped without turning up field? I think the referee said a legal shift in that he was in motion while the ball was snapped, but I thought you could go in motion before the ball was snapped without stopping, you just couldn't go upfield before the ball is snapped. And I was thinking about it like, what the hell is the difference between a play like that and a jet sweep where it's usually, if it's executed this way, a pass, you know, where it's kind of a pop, you know, quarterback gets the snap, pops it to whoever's running across. That is a pass. What's the difference between a jet sweep in motion during snap and you going left to right motion? Before the snap, I think it was because he turned up just slightly before the ball was snapped. And that's what was called. But the thing about it is referees let that type of stuff go all of the time. This game today felt like the referees had gotten a memo on X, Y and Z, and they were hellbent on executing, uh, you know, some maybe what we would deem ticky tack calls. And I thought uh, we saw a lot of those today. And unfortunately, it cost the Texans a handful of times.
1: Yeah, Sean, I know when you went to this game today, the one thing you told me before you left the house was, hey, I'm going to see the referees today. I want to see some flags. I got to see these guys in front of the camera. Uh, we're going to get some more of their stuff in a second. On the Dell plate, Titus is hurt after the Jags had already lost Cam Robinson. So a couple of big injuries to the tackles. Maybe they kind of evened out. Titus's injury looks serious. So the just activated juice scrub. Scruggs replaced him. Texans forced a punt after another three and out. Sean, you can see the Texans O-line struggling early, I thought. And this was a thing that would happen throughout the game. The Texans O-line, pass protection, the whole game was an issue.
0: Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but Titus Howard went down on the Texans' uh, third offensive, no, fourth offensive possession, right, when they were down 10-0. And Juice came in on their first touchdown drive, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so well, let me, let me... no, not not. He came in after Titus got hurt on the Tank down big throw. But what what happened there was it t- turned into a three and out because that's right. Yeah, that was the a th- possession
0: before. Okay, it's, yeah, it's, so that was the yeah. possession before. So that was their third offensive possession. So as soon as Juice Scruggs came in the ball game, I thought the offensive line looked that much better because they pulled juice twice uh they used him to double team once which it wasn't really great with Michael Dieter but they were doing some different things and it was cl- you could clearly see that so i i thought you know we would start to see a little bit more of an aggressive offense kind of like it turned into where cj's doing more a little bit off schedule just i didn't anticipate that much uh i thought juice played a really good game today uh for prepping much of the offseason at center and then you know coming back just this week uh as a full participant in practice for the first time in geez what well, I mean well since the Saints game so however many weeks that was 12 weeks uh 13 weeks uh I thought it was pretty damn good going into play a position that he probably wasn't anticipating playing at least while Titus Howard was healthy. Um and a quick side note by the way you mentioned Titus Howard going down. Maybe good news I saw him in the locker room after the game. He had a sleeve on his left leg, sitting down, chilling. seemed to be in a you know fairly good mood for a guy who had to leave the game early with an injury and you know be carted you know into the locker room. So I think uh, certainly something to keep an eye on and not necessarily uh, all doom and gloom yet in terms of the future and the health status of Titus Howard.
1: Yeah, I'm, I want to talk about the juice Scruggs thing in a bit, but look, Dieter did not. Look good today. Yeah. Um, I, Larry Tunsil, it was a mess. I'm going to talk about Larry, Larry Tunsil a little bit later, but let's go to the next Jags possession. 43-yard screen to Johnson puts the Jags inside the 10, but looked like Houston Carson made a nice play on third and goal. But, Sean, he gets called for what a lot of fans thought was a questionable interference. Lawrence scores on the sneak. They're up 10-0, but should they have been up 10-0?
0: Uh, you know, the the play the the call on Carson. Um, I'm trying to remember if I thought that that was kind of ticky tack. I think that was probably pretty legit. The two that I really thought were bad was, were the back to back ones on Tavi or Thomas, which we'll get to. But yeah, um, you know, look at that point in time when you're giving up chunky plays, it's mm-hmm. very difficult to keep a team out of the end zone. Uh, especially this Jaguars offense with Trevor Lawrence, who isn't going to give uh, many teams an opportunity to get in the backfield and affect what he's doing in his operating procedure. That sucker got rid of the ball so damn fast. It was like ridiculous Uh, credit to him in their offense, their route trees, the way that they got Ridley, Zay Jones uh, open early and often just with, you know, little crossing routes and quick slants. I mean, they were so damn fast off the line. It was, it was tough. So, I mean, should they, shouldn't they have had 10 points or not at that point? I I don't know. It's just, um, as the game went along, yeah, I could hear that argument like uh, the referees were certainly imparting their uh, position on the game more.
1: Uh, Kobe said he blames the refs. They're trying to sell the Jags to London. Whatever. Uh, (laughs) I think London is already sold on the Jags, but, Next Jags possession, 43-yard screen to Johnson, puts the Jags inside the 10. Um, oh, let's go ahead. I, I, I was already on that on that one. Let's go to the next possession. Texans respond. Big screen play to Singletary, very similar to the Jags' last drive, puts the Texans inside the yeah. 10. This is the drive you're talking about, Sean. Scruggs was incredible. He was very good throughout this drive. He made some key blocks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Stroud finishes it off with that scramble and touchdown to tank. But Sean with Scruggs, I don't know if it's not a blessing in disguise to have him at guard over Titus. I don't want to see Titus get hurt, but that could be a blessing in disguise. Although, like I said, Dieter wasn't good today. You kind of wanted Stroud to replace Dieter on the offensive line and maybe improve there and get him to the position that you drafted him for. But man, just, it seemed like it was a big, I mean, look, When I was watching Scruggs, I saw him pushing guys three, four yards down the field. And what I didn't understand, and David says, didn't understand the fact that Damian Pierce was splitting carries with Singletary. I just think they went away from the run early because Titus, as usual, wasn't doing a good job. The whole offensive line wasn't doing a good job. But when Scruggs came in there, I think you should have run behind him more.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it was clearly a part of the Texans' game plan against the Jaguars today in terms of how they were going to attack them offensively. Uh, I think they'd ran the ball twice within their first 10 plays. So it clearly, at that point in time, wasn't going to be a big part of what they were doing offensively. They were using the pass to set up the run, and unfortunately, you know, look, you get down early, and they felt like maybe they just couldn't get back to it uh, or things were working so well off schedule that they figured maybe they could exploit the Jags defensively there a little bit more. But, I mean, yeah, sure. Like, I think we all uh, kind of anticipated if Juice Scruggs was going to play in a football game, it was certainly going to be at center for the first time. But, hey, look, stuff happens. And I asked Juice Scruggs about it after the game. I said, hey, you had a good week of practice, came back, full participant. Were you even anticipating playing today? And he said, well, I was anticipating being the next man up. And I said kind of tug-in-cheek, but it's true. Like, you got that down pretty good because that's how you got the damn job to begin with. Uh, You know, once once Questenberry went down, it was kind of bada-bing, bada-boom, and you're the dude, and you did a great job at it. What was it like playing left guard? And he said, hey, look, you know, there's still some issues. I could have played better. Um, It's going to be interesting seeing what the Texans do this week. Uh, how they grade Michael Dieter at center, if they feel like Juice is just more of a natural and effective fit at the center position. And if he is, who's better at left guard if Titus can't go? Is it going to be Josh Jones or is it going to be Michael Dieter? Do they go in a different direction? Well,
1: that's the thing, though. If, If they thought Josh Jones was a better option, then he would have come in and guard in this game Fair. Instead yeah. of juice, because you know he's been around, he's been there, so yeah, I I I don't see that. I think juice is playing guard, unless for some reason Titus is coming back, and then maybe he moves over to center. But either yeah. way, you're yeah. getting better on the offensive line with Juice Scruggs in there. Either way, either way,
0: yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, look, uh, you want Titus Howard to be okay. You don't want him to miss any significant amount of time. Uh, certainly. Uh, if it's an MCL, if it's an ACL, I mean, who knows? It's it's one of those difficult things. Uh, typically, if it's something like that, you're not seeing that dude in the locker room right after the game. Uh, he's getting, uh, you know, scanned and, you know, checked out, and he's not there. Uh, we'll see. Only six weeks left, by the way. Yeah, only six weeks left. Only six weeks left, and I think the Texans only have, like, one spot uh, to the, uh, on IR to designate a guy to return, so... You know, we'll see. It's a big week for Titus Howard for sure. For sure.
1: Jags offense drives into field goal range, but Will Anderson makes a big tackle for loss on third and long. Steven Nelson, good coverage in the end zone, forces a field goal. Sean, it's at this point that I can hear the Texans fans affecting the Jags offense. Yeah. I haven't heard it like this in years. Nice job. Texans fans that that sounded like NFL football crowd, and that was great
0: it did and to be honest with you, um, it was probably six to ten thousand light in terms of having all the seats filled you know it was one of those scattery kind of attended games, uh, but the people the fans that were in the building today um, they made it sound like seventy two thousand strong you know screaming at the top of their lungs and I'll tell you what on that on that defensive stand it was huge. Uh, for the Texans to hold the Jags to just three points in that instance for me because you started to see offensively how it was going to be pretty damn difficult for the Texans to operate. And you're thinking, like, at that point in time, hey, look, Titus is down. You don't know what it's going to look like in totality with Scruggs. And are they ever going to get this run game going? Can Stroud continue to run for his life and scramble all day? Um, To me, that was huge. And that whole defensive stand towards the end, after they'd gotten that first down, It was really – the tone was set with Will Anderson in that six-yard TFL because that brought life back into the stadium. Uh, Anderson was jacked up, you know, um, just trying to juice the crowd up. I I thought that was a big-time play in that drive and really a big-time play in that first half for the Texans.
1: Yeah, and it looked like the Texans might have a little momentum at this point. And about 14 things happened in the last couple minutes of the half, Sean. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. stroud stroud does his usual great job two minute drive he's so good on these two minute drives first half second half doesn't matter but on third down the sideline past the tank a little too high and man a stroud hits him there it's a boy that's big tank sideline footwork we don't talk about it enough it's awesome it was awesome in college i heard a scout talking about it but he just wasn't tall enough to keep his feet on the ground. I think the replays got it right. That's huge because Amendola's terrible beyond 40 yards, as Robert keeps telling you and reminding you over and over again. Uh, I hate saying I told you so on this, but he misses from 50.
0: Well, stay there turns. real quick. Stay there real quick. Yeah, go you ahead. Know, that play on the sideline was huge. Um, yeah. The, yeah. The, the referee on top of the catch initially called it a catch the referee behind the play you know towards the line of scrimmage is the one that conferred with the ref that called it a, a completion that was huge because the more and more they showed that replay to hear the reaction not just in this stadium but in the press box if that's called a catch on the field I think it's pretty damn impossible to overturn that call um, and that's why they spent so damn long looking at that play. They looked at it forever, and initially I was like, God ah, damn it. You know, he didn't, get it. he didn't get two feet down. But the more and more you look at it, you couldn't disprove it. You didn't see the black pebbles pop up, you know, from dragging his right toe, but you couldn't for sure say he didn't catch that ball. That was huge, not only because the Texans had to settle for a 50-yard field goal attempt in that instance, but because of what you said. C.J. Stroud, two-minute drive, the guy's absolute money. Who's to say, you know, if that's a completion, Stroud doesn't go bada-bing, bada-boom, and there's six points on the board? Or maybe they get stopped a little short and they're able to get an easier field goal attempt uh, and it's a 13-10 to ball game going into the half.
1: Exactly. And and I I know, I see in the comments, there's somebody that's talking about, uh, let me find it again, they talked about that was a catch. Beast mode says that was a catch. No, uh, I, I didn't think it was a catch. I thought it right. I thought the, I the inside I foot, I thought the inside foot was off the ground. I'm trying not to look at things through a Texans lens. And look, I had issues with the officials. You're going to hear them more and more as this show goes on. I've already said it was 11 against 18, but that one was right. It was right. And I, I think either way, his foot's off the ground, but anyway. Uh, this could have turned into a 10-point swing easily because Tavier Thomas beat badly by Kirk for 50 yards. But, Sean, two huge tackles by the Texans slot receivers. I mean, slot corners make two huge tackles. Thomas barely keeps Kirk from scoring at the one. He could have given up on that play. He was fighting and fighting to the very end. And then on fourth down, what a stuff by, of all people, the new old guy, Desmond King, was the guy right there.
0: And he should have been the guy in the in the entire second half because it didn't matter if it was a linebacker, if it was a slot corner, if it was a corner. There wasn't anybody that could hold Christian Kirk or Calvin Ridley in this game for the Texans. And any time, you know, Tavi or Thomas was on top of either one of those guys, he was getting cooked. Um, I I don't even care about the pass interference flags that he was uh, called for. I don't care. Aside from those, dude was getting scrambled like eggs all day. And I thought D'Amico had to make an adjustment and, you know, look, we'll ask him about it on Monday. Maybe he was asked about it already after the game today. I didn't go into the press conference. I go to the locker room. Maybe he did, and it just didn't work. I didn't see it. I don't know if anybody saw it. I just didn't think you could allow Tavi or Thomas to be on the field in those situations over the top of you know slot receiver, who was Kirk, over the top of Wrigley, who they freaking motioned him to at one point in time in the second half. And I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing? And that was luckily the, you know, the start of step three or step two where the Texans had to get a third down stop. They did. That was at long incompletion. Uh, because of the coverage by Derek Stingley and pushing his uh, receiver out of bounds, who made the catch Zay Jones in that instance. Uh, before that play, they motioned Thomas over freaking Ridley. And I'm like, man, what are you doing? And I just thought he hurt the Texans defensively multiple times today. And look, you're right on that third down, he came up with a big time stop and who knows where he would have been uh, without that. Uh, but I just, I thought he cost him too many times today.
1: Secondary. Wasn't good. The Texans also, frankly, catch a big break because I don't know what Doug Peterson was doing. And he was sleeping on the job there. You're on the one-yard line. If you decide to go for it right there, Trevor Lawrence had already got that quarterback sneak over the top. The guy's like six, nine, and four-thirds or whatever. I mean, the guy's huge. And he had had done the sneak over the top. You either do that or you do the tush-push. You're you're right there on the doorstep. I can't believe they do a pitch play right there. I had another friend of mine. That, he's a Texans fan. He thought it was stupid. They just didn't kick a field goal. You had already gotten momentum. You'd already had the Texans miss a field goal. It's a field goal right there. You knew this game. You could lose momentum right here. He said to the to the halftime TV people, he said, oh, I knew we were going to get the ball back. So it was a, how about you get the ball back? If you, if you know you're going to get the ball back in the second half, Kick the field goal anyway, then you get another yeah. score. If you're that confident, you're up by over a touchdown. Yeah, I mean they were lucky because Peterson was brain dead. I didn't like anything he did in that sequence there.
0: Yeah, um, I I can't disagree with you, man. And uh, I don't know what he said in his post game, but I would imagine uh, to paraphrase, he's probably thinking that in in that instance, hey, they just missed a field goal. We drove down. We're on the one yard line after big time play. I'm going to suck the ever living life out of this stadium. And I'm going to get six on the board here. Um, I think that's what he's thinking. Um, You know, gut punch in the first half and it didn't work out. I didn't like what he did, you know, in the second half either attempting a 55 yard field goal in that instance and missing it, you know, the third down stop that we're talking about because that breathed life into the Texans' yeah. offense.
1: And- no, no. Yeah, I was going to bring that up as well. Yeah, that, yeah. The, the, the one later in the game. Yeah. But he he did not – he wasn't really good. I see somebody in our comments saying D'Amico and the coaching staff didn't do that great. It, it wasn't real great on either side, to be honest with you. But let's keep going. Third quarter, Texans finally catch a break from the officials. Looks like Petrie holds Ingram on a slant. No call. The throw ends up hitting Stingley basically in the bread basket, Sean. I mean, it, it's good to see Stingley get that one. But, look, Jalen Petrie has been Petrie pathetic. I mean, he, he again, this was a game where there was just plays that I hated from him. I mean, there was a play later in the game, and I don't think I made a note of it, but I, I, I'm thinking about it as I'm talking right now, where it was that ETN run where... He comes charging in. The Texans just need to get off the field right there as quickly as possible, not do anything overly crazy. It's just like make the basic play. And Petrie comes charging in and then immediately takes a block, which takes him out of the play. You knew they were running with ETN right there. He knew it, but he almost took himself out of the – look, you got to be there ready for the second level. If you're Petrie, if you think it's a run, but you don't come charging in, as fast as you can to the defensive line because if you miss on the line as a little safety, which is pretty easy to do if you get chipped or blocked, it he's passed there and into the open field. I just, Jalen Petrie, it, it, it's gotten to be bad. I'm, I'm genuinely worried about him each and every play.
0: It's feast or famine with that guy. Um, too much famine. That's the it's problem. Been a lot, it's been too much famine. You know, I, the Texans – I forget who it was. If it was Bobby Slo, I think it was Bobby Sloan this past week used the term reckless abandon, you know, in describing Tank Dell and his just, I don't give a, you know, what attitude about being a run blocker in the run game. And he's, he's gotten much better at it, but Jalen Petrie defensively has been reckless and he's abandoned any opportunity to make plays uh, because of that style that he brings. now. If that can be harnessed, I think Jalen Petrie could be an extremely disruptive football player. I really, really do. Uh, So I'm not ready to cast him off by any stretch. But you've got to be able to harness it to a degree if you're D'Amico Ryan. You've got to figure out a way to make him more effective. I don't know how you do it.
1: Well, quit telling me how smart the guy is when the guy does dumb stuff all the time. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I told you you this
0: last week, and I I saw it a couple of more times today. There are times, dude, where, and I'm not going to question his football smarts, you know, but he does look unsure sometimes out there on the football field. Like, And it's almost like he's rolling the dice and he just rolls it wrong every time, you know, or it's a 50-50 coin flip, and he's just picking the wrong one every time. And I, I just, I, I think these are correctable things because, look, guy's got a good frame, plays with a great motor, with great energy. You've just got to be able to get him in the right position to make plays. And too often, he's taking himself out of the opportunity to make plays.
1: Well he can't tackle either and that's another issue I mean it's just, there's a lot of stuff that's adding up to bad and frame frame to me is big enough to bring guys down and it's either he's a terrible tackler or he's not big enough to bring guys down we'll see we'll see if, how this develops over the next year we'll see what happens what, what what they decide to do next year but if I'm the Texans I'm looking at free agency in the draft it is position specifically. And I'm not joking about that. He is not, to me, a a surefire safety starter next year. And he's going to have to earn that job as far as I'm concerned. But um, Texans take advantage of the turnover. Good run. Singletary puts them inside the two. Stroud runs it in. You can say the Texans caught a break, but good teams capitalize on those breaks. Sean, you want to explain Stroud's TD celebration? Because I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Maybe I'm too young for this. I mean, too old for this. I I don't know. Do you know what
0: that I, was? I think I know what it was. Uh, first off, I think it was awesome. <laughs> I thought that was a next level celebration, but I think, uh, you know, he was uh, the major or the general inspecting his troops and he didn't like what he saw in one of them. So he socked them right in the mouth. Who <laughs> was that fan that fell out? Uh, I, I thought that was really, really cool, man. Um, it was a little and- too
1: Nazi for me. I don't know. It just, it was weird.
0: Uh, so, I didn't get Nazi at all. I got I got full metal jacket vibes from that. I got uh, uh, Arlie Ermy vibes from that, and I enjoyed it.
1: Jags come back, 45-yard completion to Calvin Ridley. Steven Nelson in coverage. Again, Petrie was lost on that play. I'll just throw that in there, and then I'm going to get off of him. It's the fourth completion, though, of 40 yards or longer by Lawrence Texan. Secondary struggling. They threw out some stat that nobody had done that this year for completions for 40 yards or more. So that's bad. Then Tavier gets called for those two ticky tack interference flags leading to a touchdown. Sean, I know what you think on that. I mean, they were just egregiously terrible.
0: Yeah. um, I I thought, I thought the second one was worse than the first, the second one. I mean, I would have given Christian Kirk and Oscar uh, he's running, you know, that out route right towards the side judge in the end zone. And he was probably, you know, complaining the whole way, like, "Hooked me or he hold me, he pushed me, whatever the, whatever the case was. It looked like it pushed from, you know, the back point, but it wasn't affected at all just given the relation ball to player, ball to receiver. So I, I just thought it was horrible, and he probably should have gotten an Oscar uh, on that one. And it was – it was just one of those kind of uh, twilight zone moments, I have to imagine, for Tavier Thomas. Not only is the guy getting cooked, but he just can't catch a break. You know, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, the refs are seeing what they think they're seeing. And unfortunately, uh, that really, really hurt the Texans at in that instance.
1: And just to be clear, Tavier Thomas. If you look at his pro football focus grades this year, if you watch the games, he's been great. The guy also, if he's there for a tackle, the tackle is made. Typically, yeah. that's why I like Tommy and he and made a, Thomas. He made
0: a couple of good ones today, but you know, let's just be honest: what today? It's about today. It's not about what you did, and you can't continue to trot that guy out there if you know he's getting exposed and you don't know how to adjust to it. Um, you've got to give somebody else another opportunity because. After those two PIs, they scored a touchdown on Tavier Thomas with Calvin Ridley, who tried to hook Ridley on the touchdown. He got beat badly again, and he couldn't stop him. He was getting beat off the line routinely. Didn't matter. It was inside leverage. It was outside. Just anything. Running little stops, snags, anything off the line. He was getting roasted. and so well, the, se- got-
1: the second PI was in the end zone, right? That was the second one, and that's the one that they called – you know that set up the touchdown, correct?
0: Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He got caught. That was the Kirk one, and then uh, Ridley scored the touchdown, and he got cooked up, uh, cooked by Ridley on that one too. Oh
1: wait, well, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. On the yeah, on the touch, on the actual touchdown. Yeah, okay. So t- next Texans possession, Stroud sacked on third third down. Sean, I don't know if you caught what happened here. Tunsil gets <sighs> Tunsil gets cooked like this a lot. Josh Allen, untouched, untouched off the edge. And let me point out, I have seen Tunsil make this mistake more than a couple of times over the last couple of years, where he doesn't take a guy on the edge; he takes somebody inside, and it's yeah. like it's almost easy to go. Well, I thought the I thought my offensive line, you know, I thought my thing was to go inside. No, if you're the left tackle, you cannot let some somebody like Josh Allen go off the edge and not even try to. You, like Josh Allen's the first guy, and he he yeah. does this, and and there's so many times where I look, and it's like Tunsil's helping out with the guy on the inside. Where okay, you now you have two on one on the inside. You have the guard, and you got Tunsil, and Juice Scruggs had that. It was just terrible.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, I I can I can recall at least three times, including today, that that's uh, you know been the case with Tunsil, where he's just. Not even attempted to block the the outside rush, um, and I don't know what it is. The guy doesn't talk. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's been available like two or three times this year, and he waits till like Fridays to to discuss anything with anyone, and he says about five words. So it's completely useless asking him any questions about that because he's not going to tell you a darn thing. But I am genuinely curious if that is a miscommunication on his part. If that is just game planned, because sometimes you do leave that guy on the edge alone. Um, you don't want to touch him uh, for whatever reason. He it might be a read guy, but I would just not even imagine that you would be doing that with Josh Allen, who Laramie Tunsil's played very well against in his career. Um, his numbers, you know, against uh, that that. Head-to-head has fared a lot better for the Texans in games at Jacksonville for whatever reason. But um, I, I just – I don't know. I'm, you Remind me of that because I will ask somebody on the offensive line uh, that question this week um, during practice.
1: There's about three things that you said right there that I need to get into. First of all, Laramie Tunsil, the fact that he's not talking – He's the captain, correct? Sean, the captain?
0: Hey, captain, yep.
1: Yep. How is a captain not talking to the media? Look, Dwayne Brown, I was in the locker room for 5 years where Dwayne Brown would be there every single time. And he would he would talk, he would be available. You could talk to him on the side. Dwayne Brown was there. I this is not something that as a captain, as your best offensive lineman, As a tackle that's so key, and as a veteran on this team, that he doesn't talk. Number two, um, I I also feel like he he might be hurting a little bit more today than he has him because we know he's not practicing. Either the not practicing thing is catching up to him, and he just wasn't ready. Or, Sean, what do you think? Could could he have been? Could that knee have been bothering him a little bit more? And maybe the Texans should have made a change right there. Maybe you throw in. You know, one of the other tackles or something like that. I don't know.
0: I, I mean, look, I, I'll be honest with you. I think clearly the knee is an issue. Um, the, the days of Laramie Tunsell practicing a full week uh, as a full participant, I think, are over at least for this season, right? And even then, like he was regularly getting veteran rest days last year. Um, I, I don't, the knee is an issue, you know, to what degree, I don't know. I just think there's a load management program this year for Laramie Tunsil. Um, I think he's probably, uh, you know, getting his knee drained pretty regular. He's probably going to have to have it scoped in the off season, uh, at least. And you kind of go from there, but, um, it's a, a 50% Laramie Tunsil. If the dude's good enough to be out there. You can't let your Josh Allens of the world just breeze past you and, you know, blow your quarterback to smithereens for 12-yard losses. Uh, It doesn't happen on the regular, but it happens in big – that was a big-time situation when that happened. That was a hell of a time to allow that to happen. And, again, I don't know if that is uh, a Michael Dieter line call that wasn't made. I don't know if that was something that C.J. Stroud knew was coming and just. You know what? the the initial hot read hot route wasn't there. I don't know. That's something I'm going to try to figure out this week.
1: Yeah, I I think that was on Tunsil, to be honest with you, because I I don't see how, in any I don't see what circumstance an offensive line says, hey, you know what? Let's not let's not block Josh Allen this play. That's that's the decision we're going to make. Let's not block yeah. Josh Allen coming blindside on C J. Stroud. Anyway, Jags next possession, early in the drive, they get yet another. Phantom secondary penalty on third down. I want to say this was the Steven Nelson. Nelson
0: one. Nelson, that was horrible. Horrible. Yeah, and it, was, horrible and it was a
1: game-changing play because that leads to a field goal. So now it's a two-score game. I counted in this game at least five, maybe seven plays that the refs screwed up on the Texan side, one that they screwed up on the Jags side. I mean, these officials, honestly, the whole staff should be fired because this was one of the worst officiating games I've ever seen in my life.
0: I don't I know – I don't know if you saw it, but during the game on Twitter, it was guys like Ed Warder, uh, Scott Van Pelt, you know, tweeting about how horrible the referees have been. In the it was it was Van Pelt who was general about it. I was just like, I'm thinking to myself, like, go ahead and say you're watching the Texans game because the referees are horrible this game. But Ed Warder was like, dude, this is this is egregious. This is terrible. Like, let them play. And, yeah, you know, sure, the one sure. the one call that I can think that the referees negated to throw a flag on. Uh, for the Jaguars was one of the worst non-calls for a false start that I maybe had ever seen by their left, right. go- their left tackle. I thought that was just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, that's one of the ones on my list of s- s- five to seven, at least at least six probably. But Shereen Williams, I was going to say, yeah, add her to that 13, mix yeah. of nas- national people that were talking about it. So Texans next possession, third and one near midfield, nine minutes left. You know, you're probably going for it in that situation with the amount of time that's left on the clock. And Sean, I hated three things and then you can respond. These are the three things I hated. Number one, no urgency that whole drive down two scores by Bobby Slowing. I thought you needed urgency. I don't know why we were playing slow. It's like nine, 11 minutes, 10 minutes, nine minutes left. Like you've got to have urgency. Plus you had lost timeouts. So that's going to be cru- crucial late in the game. Number two, You know what's four-down territory. Why aren't you running on third and one? I mean, I didn't get that. Number three, why is Stroud going deep on fourth and one? He needed one yard. And Stroud's situational football in short yardage late in games, it's been a weakness. I would rather him try to run. I want him, you know, trying to do something shorter. But it's not like these are guys that he's throwing to way down the field that are wide open. And and God, I I saw this same situation in the Bengals game.
0: Well, uh, I'll tell you this. One, I don't know, just like you don't know. Two, Bobby Slowick talks on Thursdays. Uh, You'll have to wait till Thursday. And I'll guarantee you that he'll give you a real honest answer on Thursday. Um, He's uh, got a track record of not making any qualms about uh, owning up to a mistake in a play call. and. He's very good at uh, describing it and explaining it. So I don't
1: I, I don't think the, the fourth down, let me be clear. this isn't about play call. This is about Strahd knowing situation. But the third down, ask him about the third down at one. Because like, did he know at that time it was four down territory? And why didn't he run the ball?
0: Yeah, I think that's one question. And I think uh, why are you throwing on third and one and fourth and one? You know, what's the situation? Why are you doing that? And I, I can only tell you what my thought process was in that instance because right after the Singletary three-yard gain on the second and four to make it third and one, I thought briefly, because the Texans kind of went – I think they went fairly quickly there, if I recall correct, uh, correctly. Um, I was thinking, you know what? Everybody thinks they're going to run here. It's third and one. But just going by what we've seen from Slowik, if there's a matchup that he thinks he can get, from the defense thinking they're going to run it on third and one, he's going to try and take advantage of it. So while that play ended up going to Nico Collins, I'm willing to bet you that without having gone back and watched the play even a second time, that throw to Collins was probably the third option on that particular play. And, If that ball was thrown to Tank Dell, maybe it's even a, maybe it's a close, uh, you know, there's a chance that there's a completion there because Tank's scramble ability and just in syncness with his quarterback is just different. Uh, Collins had maybe kind of given up on the play, wasn't, didn't have eyes back and whatever. I don't know, but I'm going to almost guarantee you that he was the third option at least on that particular play, and that's the reason why they decided to throw it on third and one. And once you throw it on third and one, I thought, okay, you could still run it on fourth and one, but we just like we talk about almost week to week, Robert, you have to make the defense think for a millisecond that you're going to pass. Play action, and again, it was – you're going to try to take advantage of the one-on-one, and he o- simply overthrew Dalton Schultz there. You cannot throw on fourth and one with such a, a low percentage play like that. And um, Those are questions that will be asked guaranteed this week. You're just going to have to wait till Thursday for an answer.
1: Yeah, and this is not, again, when you address it to Slowing, this is not once that we've had this issue where right. he's throwing 30 yards down the field on a crucial where you just need like two yards. This has happened multiple times now in the last three or four weeks. So the Bengals game I, I immediately comes to mind. But Jags decide to go for a 55 yard field goal when they get the ball back. Didn't understand the move by Peterson with seven minutes left. I think you mentioned that earlier, Sean. Yep. You thought it was ridiculous. 10 point lead as opposed to 13. Was it worth the potential of give it up? Great field position. Jags missed the field goal. So the Texans still in it. Stroud hits Hutchison. Hutchison, out of the blue, he finds Xavier Hutchison, you know, for a big play. Then Nico for the 18-yard touchdowns, five plays, less than a minute, Sean. It was the perfect drive that you needed right there. And you're going, okay, we can do it again.
0: Yeah, that sequence was something else, man, because, uh, you know, after the incompletions on third and one and fourth and one, that felt like ball game. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. missed 55-yard field goal, even the decision to kick the damn thing, Um that felt like it just breathed life back into the Texans because the Jags were doing nothing but driving. And, um, you know, if you don't have to have the greatest punter in the world. You're an NFL punter. You decide to take a delay a game, try to pin them on a punt inside their own 10-yard line. That's nothing crazy. Even inside their own 15, you're still making the Texans go 85 at least, right, for the score, whether it's C.J. Stroud or not. Um, And we know that they've had issues with – you know, up-tempo offense. They haven't used it at times when you feel like they're supposed to. So I thought uh, that was huge. He's good for at least one in a game. And I thought that 34-yard completion to Xavier Hutchinson was just extremely huge there because that single-handedly, and the Texans went, boom, hurry up at that point, you know, and got the ball quickly to to Nico Collins. I thought that was gigantic because – that that makes the defense start thinking like all right holy smokes now we got to be on our toes texans used tempo at the exact right moment there and collins i said at half he had one target one catch like everybody else not named tank dell if there was one guy that needed to be huge with big playability in him this second half for the texans to even have a chance at winning this ball game it was going to be nico collins and he certainly came through and did his part
1: Yeah, the other big part about the uh, other thing I should mention on the field goal that they missed, the 55-yard field goal, Uh remember, their kicker had hit 19 in a row. So maybe he was just banking he's on a hot streak. However, 55 yards, he's not hitting that one 19 times out of 19. I mean, that's that percentage drops uh, precipitously. Not just that, what if that kick is blocked because he's trying to do 55 yards I mean, the Jags would never have a kick blocked against the... Te- well, wait, 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 wait a second. I think they did have a kick blocked by the Texans and Will Anderson just a few weeks ago. So, yeah, that, that play dumbfounded me for a number of reasons. So, the Jags with the ball now, Texans within a score. So, you got to stop them. Three huge plays by the Texans secondary. Steven Nelson, a touchdown-saving tackle on Etienne's run early in the drive. I mentioned being pissed at Petrie, but Steven Nelson saved the day. Then Nelson and Stingley... Great coverage, third and fourth down near midfield, both of them. So it comes down to the final drive again for the Texans. I think this is we're somewhere in the maybe five weeks, five games this year, six, no, maybe six games this year where it's come down to one final drive late. So I think it's,
0: I think it's seven straight weeks that a game's been decided inside the two-minute mark.
1: Yeah, it's it's nuts. And and Sean, before I get to the field goal decision. I want to go to the third and 12 scramble situation. I thought there were a couple of times when Stroud could have taken off at least got a few yards to either make it a more manageable fourth down or get in better field goal range. That defensive line had to be gassed. Stroud is way better athletically than any of those guys. He scrambles out right. Now, at that point, maybe he's still looking and he takes an extra second. But when he scrambled out left, All of them have moved right except one guy. He had one lineman or one defender on the line to beat. And a lot of those plays were set up down the field. And, again, this is about CJ. There are certain situations where you've got to make it more manageable. And a fourth down right there and five or six, even if he can't get a first down, it leaves you in better shape for that. It leaves you closer for an attempted field goal if you do want to try the field goal there. But he can't be the hero every single time take the simple play
0: yeah i think he actually talked about that towards the end of his press conference today uh after the game that's 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 something that's uh a lot easier said you know uh with the eye in the sky you know watching it on tv than it is a guy trying to make a play and win a game you know knowing that uh Without his uh, ability to elude and evade today, uh, who knows where the Texans are in this game? Who knows where this offense is uh, without that ability to uh, just constantly extend plays? But, yeah, look, uh, that's something that he's going to have to make better decisions on. There's no question about that. Sometimes take the simple play. Um, but he he know he understands that. He knows that. And, look, it's the Texans have kind of shot themselves in the foot you know, uh, in a number of different ways in recent weeks to where they've kind of put themselves in these positions. Um, last week, maybe no more so than last week in that win against the Cardinals, you know, should have been a game decided by 20-some-odd points instead it came right down to the wire again. And I think you can probably make the same case again today. Um, you're a little bit more disciplined, and you're able to make the fundamental play, the fundamental tackle, um, you know, whatever the case may be. I, I I just think these are correctable things for CJ Stroud. And um, I, I do, I do applaud this guy today, man. I thought he played an incredible game just given uh, what the Jags were throwing at him defensively. I mean, they were just in the backfield, just bam at the snap of the ball and uh, just the fearlessness of him stepping up at the pocket and sliding and moving and twisting and turning and 360s and you think he's going to pull it down and keep it, and the sucker, you know, throws it before he gets back to the line of scrimmage a few times today. It was just tremendous. Unfortunately, uh, you know, they just they just needed one or two more plays, man, to get the job done, and couldn't make it happen.
1: All right, let's go to the fourth and twelve. The decision by D'Amico per NFL Next Gen Stats: the optimal decision on fourth and twelve was going for the first down. The winning percentage likelihood by decisions. In other words, what's the better percentage move? Go for it, 52.4%. Field goal, 37.5% chance. So, Sean, it, it really befuddled me to send in a kicker that hadn't kicked a 50 yard field goal in his life to go try a 58 yard field goal instead of giving CJ Stroud, who's just been incredible in these situations the chance to to get the first down and win the game.
0: Yeah, Uh, I I can tell you what I said uh, the moment I saw special teams unit go out onto the field. I said, wow, wow. And it just took me a few seconds and I was trying to make sense of it, trying to think and I'm like, yeah, but damn, you know, it's a a fourth and 12 and the way CJ's been having to scramble, it's like, okay, even if he has the time, he would have time. If he had time, well, that means what are you doing if you're the Jags defense? You're in a little bit of a prevent, right? You're going to try to keep something in front of you, nothing beyond 12. We've seen CJ in this offense make that play before, uh, almost in a similar situation. And I, I don't know. I can't I can't explain it away. I can just tell you without having heard D'Amico's ex- explanation of it. But you know what? Maps won a game for us already this year. We trust his ability. We know what kind of leg he has. And they figured that regardless of what those percentages that you just laid out said, their percentages, you know, were flipped. And we're going to let it ride with this cat. And you know what? I can't tell you if I've ever and if we will ever see a game in like that again, just knowing what we thought we knew and kind of know about a kicker, you know, in Matt Amendola you don't trust him to make anything from beyond 40, much less 58. That was a perfect dang kick right down the pipe. And I don't know the circumference of the crossbar, if it's, you know, six inches, eight inches, but he needed about two more inches on that ball to get it through. And that just went to show you just how important every single inch, foot, and yard is in any given football game. That was the epitome of it right there.
1: Yeah, two quick notes on that whole situation. Number one, okay, you're going to send a kicker out, but you're going to have him run out there last second. You know, they, they they had an incomplete pass. There was no need to have him run out there last second. This is a guy that needs every bit of yardage an inch, and now you've got him running, taking away some of that energy that he was going to need for that kick. Number two, is This is even more important. You already had a 12-man on the field for your special teams. It cost you a timeout. Might have mattered in that drive. I don't know. But you already had one of those on your special team. So now you're risking it by saying, okay, run out there special teams at the last second. And let's, you know, we got to make sure we got 11 guys on the field and all that sort of stuff. There was just a lot. I just hated and about that. The oh,
0: Jags, really. The Jags saved his life. <laughs> oh know, yeah. At the, time, at the time before he kicks the dang ball, they call their timeout, you know, and save his life, save the Texans. And, you know, I thought I, you know, okay, the Jacks call the timeout. That gives Slowick and the offense an opportunity to think through things pretty quickly and make a decision. Do we really want to do this? Do we want to see if we can dial something up here on the fourth and twelve? Get our best play possible and let it ride that way. Let's go win this sucker. And the Texans still, they said, nah, you're going to go kick this 58-yard field goal. Now you got a little bit more time to think about it, man. Let's get it right, you know. And um, it was just – the only word that kind of came to my mind was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'd never seen a game end like that, that way. It was, it was pretty incredible.
1: Beast Mo says – what we all say is, yeah, we need Kaimi back. Yeah, obviously. Sean,
0: yeah. What's,
1: what are you hearing? What What's the situation there? Is there a chance he's coming back anytime soon?
0: I haven't heard anything. Uh, I, I can't say. Um, that's probably a question that maybe D'Amico fielded uh, postgame today or maybe will, uh, you know, in this press conference tomorrow. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I, I honestly haven't heard anything good, bad, or otherwise in terms of Kaimi. But you know, been, let, let's let's not pretend it would, like it would have been guaranteed you feel better about it. But I mean, look, he, I think he missed a fifty five yarder earlier this year. I know he had one. I think he I think he botched one like within the first month of the season and got a second opportunity on that same uh instance in that game and missed a fifty four yarder or something like that. So I mean it happens, well, you never know.
1: Well, it, here's the difference with Kaimi. Kaime probably makes that first field goal. So it's a tie game at that yeah. point. Yeah, that's fair. And yeah. then and then, then what happens at the end of the game? And then, if the Texans are like trying to get in field goal range at that point, you go, okay, it's fourth and twelve. Maybe Stroud's more confident to make the dump down or run for a few yards because he knows, well, if I can get Kaimi to, to a fifty-two or fifty-three yard field goal, then he's got a pretty good chance at make. You know, you just don't know how the whole, you know, the whole psyche changes. If you got a real field goal kicker.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, You just, you still just kind of never know. You just, you feel better about it. It makes our hearts hurt a little less at the time. But uh, I think back to D'Amico's post-game speech after the win last week against the Cardinals, he was like, dang, you know, can we stop, you know, with these heart. He said, heartbreaker. This, this was a real heartbreaker. Uh, today losing this uh losing out on an opportunity to be first place within the AFC South um you know you had it out hell i i think i think at one point in time like uh and i think the chiefs are still playing right aren't the jags like the number 1 seed right now <laughs> you know yes. like what what would the texans you know seeding have been if they would have won this game not just first place in the AFC South but you know uh you go from 7th coming into today's game and now i think you're 8th at least you know until other things you know play out in the NFL today but I mean this is a big swing. I know the statistic coming into the game was if the Texans would have won it would have increased their playoff chances by 67 percent or they would have had a 67 percent chance of getting in for sure and uh, if they lose which they did it falls to 32 percent there's a lot of football left to be played uh, so you kind of never really know you know how it shakes out but uh, it, it does hurt their season's not over but it does hurt
1: yeah there was a comment in the locker room. Off the record, one of the players said it was the worst officiated game he's seen in his entire life. So, yeah, the players obviously pretty upset about that part about it. D'Amico, from what I understand in the press conference, didn't really go there. But, um, you know, D'Amico, you know, like I said, he's got his own answers, questions and answers from this game. You know, I mean, could Stroud have played a little bit better made an extra throw here or there, maybe. But, I mean, what he did was incredible. This comes down to, Sean, two things. The officiating was garbage, number one. And then the number two thing for me, from my perspective, the Texans got beat up front. They got beat up front. We've seen them play and win these last three games. I felt like they manhandled the other three teams that they just beat three in a row. They were manhandled in this game.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. They got manhandled up front, and they couldn't apply any pressure to Lawrence, um, you know, and cause any havoc in the backfield there. And it's a darn shame because they did, again, uh, such a good job of, you know, stopping the run. Jags, you know, 81 yards on 30 carries today. I think this is uh, six times out of the last seven games in which you've held the opponent to fewer than 100 yards rushing. And that's something that you can take pride in, certainly. But if you're doing that, you can't afford to get hurt. Uh, elsewhere and it's the chunky plays man and there were way too many of them today you gave up uh, the explosives and look you couple that with things you can't do a thing about um, you know poor calls from the referees and you know that's why uh, you know when you lose games like this they sting that much worse because not only you know they're in they're self-inflicted wounds but you know there's there's pot shots that you can't do anything about that you fell victim to
1: Yeah, this defensive line, what they did against the Texans O-line, it's something to think about because the Jets, the Browns, those are real defenses, even though they don't have a quarterback. So you want Stroud to be upright as the season goes on. So that stuff's got to get corrected in a big way. And Juice Scruggs can't play three positions now. He can only play one. So I think he's going to help you a little bit. But Laramie Tunsil, Dieter, whoever plays, has got to be way the hell better. Um, Texans, you know, a huge loss, obviously, but they're still in pretty good shape for the wild card. We're going to talk more about it midweek. Um, good stuff with uh, the Rockets this weekend. Uh, Sean Bajani is probably forgotten about this, but it was good news for him. I think that Dana Holgerson was showing the door over, uh, forget over about uh, that. <laughs> in U of H, at U of H. So he might, he might've missed that one, but, um, anyway uh, thanks a lot guys for uh, checking us out and uh, stay in touch give us uh, a thumbs up give us a comment let us know what you think of what's going on let you know let's know what you think about the Texans obviously too in the comments but uh, final score in this one Texans lose it 24 uh, 21 they dropped to six and five. we'll see you in a
0: couple of days listening to houston sports talk
1: hey you can support the show by subscribing on youtube and commenting on the videos listen to houston sports talk on spotify apple stitcher and google don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media spread the word everybody thanks for listening